God is good. And all the time. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your holy presence that brings us comfort and peace. Lord, we recognize that in the midst of it, in the midst of the chaos, you come to bring order. So Lord, help us as we seek to understand who you are as king that we begin to understand what your kingdom looks like and what our role and place in it is. In your name we pray. Amen. One of the joys of being a child is the worlds that we can create in our mind. A faraway ocean expedition. A cave deep inside the center of the earth. A kingdom with castles high on top of a mountain. One with large spires. One where we can pretend to be the king or the queen and rule the land. We like to pretend. We like to pretend to be royalty. We seem obsessed with British royalty. And maybe you knew, but the number two costume for Halloween this year was a princess. We play all sorts of games of pretend and all sorts of games as children. One of the favorite that I remember is playing King of the Hill. I don't know if you can play that anymore, but on top of a large dirt mound or on the top of a hill that you tried to be the one in charge and prevent anybody else from getting to the top. And when you got to the top, you would say, I'm the king, or some would even say, I'm the king of the world. Have we really ever stopped playing? Have we stopped pretending? What we believe and how we act are inseparable. What we believe and how we act are inseparable. But we try our hardest to live like our actions and our beliefs are separate. Where is your royalty loyalty? Is Christ your king? What does it mean? What does it really mean when we share that Christ is our king and he is a kingdom not of this world? I don't think we think of Jesus as king much. That king that has a big crown and is in a chair. That medieval and renaissance king with all the jewels and all the robes. People in Jesus' time wanted a king. They wanted a political king. One who would save them. One who would fight for them. One who would keep them in a level of prominence. And keep bad things from happening to them. Do we want the same type of king today? This is not the type of king that Jesus came to be, and this is not the type of king that Jesus is today. I invite you to listen to the discourse between Jesus and Pilate as Pilate questions Jesus on whether he is king. 
Reading scripture today from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 38. Join me in the Bibles you've brought, so your devices where your scripture is, or there's pew Bibles before. Online, I invite you to join me too in Bibles that you have available to you. John chapter 18, beginning at verse 33. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate asked him, So, you are king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am king, and for that I was born. And for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, What is truth? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Many years ago, George H.W. Bush tells a story about it that deeply moved him when he was vice president. He represented the U.S. at a funeral of former Soviet leader Leonard Brezhnev. Bush was deeply moved by a silent protest that was carried out by Brezhnev's widow. She stood motionless by the coffin until seconds before it was closed. Then, just as the soldiers began to touch the lid of the coffin, Brezhnev's wife performed an act of great courage an act of hope, a gesture that must surely rank as one of the most profound acts of civil disobedience. She reached down and made the sign of the cross on his chest. There in the heart of secular atheistic power, the wife of the man who had run it all had hope that her husband was wrong. She hoped that there was another life and that life was best represented by Jesus who died on the cross, and that the same Jesus might yet have mercy on her husband. So often in our life, we hold on to things of this world. We get caught up in the here and now, the kingdom that we have created around us. But when we are faced with our own death or the death of another, especially a loved one, we look at life a little differently. We hope, too, that there's a kingdom beyond this world, one we've heard about, one that we don't expect to keep to ourselves. In today's scripture, we're faced with Jesus' death. Jesus' earthly reign is almost over. He's been arrested, and he comes before Pilate, just before his sentencing and crucifixion. And Pilate is questioning him. Who is he? What has he done? Here, once again, Jesus finds himself in the dying moments of his life, as all throughout his life, people are questioning who he is and whether he really is who he says he is. Is he really God's son? Is he really a king? Then where's his kingdom? Why doesn't he just stand up and defend 
himself. Are we still asking Jesus the same questions today? In Jesus' time, the disciples were. Jesus spent his ministry trying to help them understand that his kingdom was not of this world. They fought him on it. They were stubborn. Every Jew in the first century wanted this political Messiah to come and save them. A king who would fight for them. And one who would bring them into this high place of prominence against all their neighbors. But they did not believe Jesus was he. Does this sound familiar? In today's current political environment, each side claims that they have answers. They have the solutions and the other side is not fit for consideration. The divide is as wide as it's ever been. And the kingdoms of the extremes are getting bigger. Have we forgotten? Have we forgotten that Jesus is our Savior, that Jesus is our King, that Jesus is our hope? He is our source of peace and direction. He is the key to unity. So again, what does it mean that Jesus is King? What does it mean for us? That his kingdom is not of this world. It means a couple of things. One, that Jesus was a provider. As a king, he would provide for his subjects. He had their best interest at hand. He knew what they needed when they didn't even know what they needed. He would take care of them and meet their needs. It means Jesus was a servant. He served by choice, not by force. He owns the universe, but he has nowhere to lay his head. He was head of the kingdom, yet he washed the feet of his servants, even the one who betrayed him. He deserved the welcome and the treatment of other kings and princesses, yet he associated with the poor and the outcasts. It also means that Jesus was a man of authority. But his authority was not against wars and other nations of this world. In Jesus' day, kings were absolute rulers. They got into power not by being elected by people, but by force. When in power, they would subdue the population. However, Jesus did not come to wage war against nations. But he came to wage war against sin and death and evil. His power was not limited by the means or strength of the number of people around him. So what does it mean for us? That Jesus is the provider, that he is a servant, and that he has authority. It means we are his benefactors. We as his followers who choose to follow him are his benefactors. But that requires of us two things, loyalty and obedience. Loyalty and obedience. In Jesus' own words, he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. A king demands the loyalty of his subjects. But the beauty with Christ is it's not one of forced loyalty. It's a loyalty by choice that we choose to serve God. We choose to follow him we choose to be in relationship with him.
And that means we're willing to go where he goes. That we're willing to do what he does. We're willing to stand up when he stands up. Loyalty and obedience go hand in hand. Even when it's tough, even when it's not popular, even when others fade away, even in the midst of a crisis or persecution, we stand firm. It also means that we follow in his footsteps as a servant. You've heard it before. Christ did not come to be served, but to serve. We seek to outserve one another. Not what I need, but what difference can I make in someone else? Did you hear Pilate's question? He asked an interesting question in today's text. I'm not a Jew, am I? He says. In other words, Pilate was not putting himself in the same position as Jews. But what were the Jews doing? They were questioning Jesus' legitimacy. But in his sentencing of Jesus, Pilate puts himself in that very position in how he responds. In other words, we say sometimes, we're not of this world. What we're doing is not connected to this world. But does that line up with how we act? What we believe and how we behave is inseparable. Pilate innocently asked what is truth. But what does that tell us? By him asking what is truth, he acknowledges that he doesn't know the truth. That he doesn't see or recognize the truth in Jesus. We know that Christ's kingdom is not a place on top of a large remote mountain. But it is real. But it's not limited as things of this world are. Jesus' text today is telling us about the source of the kingdom, not the location of the kingdom. Our responsibility is to be listening for and open to his voice. If we belong to the truth, if we know the truth, if we recognize the truth, then we'll see it fully revealed in Jesus. We will hear it in God's voice through Jesus. We will not only call Jesus king, but we will live our lives as Jesus is king. Our stewardship commitments over the past two months, you were asked to make a commitment to prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. These are tangible statements of who's in charge of our life, who's in priority. It's a tangible statement of the role that Jesus plays in our life and our desire to make God's kingdom a reality for us and for all of his children. Each day, each week, each month, it takes a commitment, it takes a priority to make this a reality. And it's a helpful to keep us in check. That the next time we want to be king, that the next time we play king of the hill with our family or our friends or even our finances, that we have forgotten that there's only one king, Jesus Christ. And he is the king of kings. Yet we are his benefactors. And he has given us to be like him 
that we might inherit his kingdom, a kingdom not of this world, but that can be experienced in this world. So may our hope not be in the things of this world, but in the king of the world, that God alone has revealed through his son Jesus to us. And for each disciple of Jesus, there's a point, a point of no turning back. That our commitment to Jesus is not just to come and go when it feels good, when we like to, when it's convenient. But the beauty is that Christ doesn't force us to be loyal. That we have to surrender our place at the top of the hill. Is Christ your king? Is Christ your king? Is Christ your king? The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light.
recognize you as king of our lives and of our community. May we surrender to you. Amen. 